Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. A quick note for our listeners. Starting episode 10, the name of the podcast will be changing from the Wine Podcast for Everyone to the No Snob Wine Podcast, which better reflects our website and our brand. The show will stay the same. If you already subscribe, there's no need to make any changes. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Wine Podcast for Everyone. In this episode, we kick off our red and white deep dive series. We're recording three episodes focused on red wines and three episodes focused on white wine. The goal of this series is to familiarize you with some common and some not so common varieties to broaden your wine drinking horizons. We'll discuss what to expect from these grapes, how to enjoy them, and offer some classic and unusual food suggestions. These episodes will air over the next few months along with our usual FAQ episodes. We got the ball rolling today with Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, and Zinfandel. Also, I got an old world surprise and a Malbec from Argentina, and Chuck features a Zinfandel from California with a smoky twist. All right, so Chuck's going to California this week, which is a little bit unusual. He's got a Zinfandel he's going to share with us. So this one is interesting just because I pour a glass of this, and I've never had this before, but take a big whiff, and the first thing I get is... I'm transported to being around a campfire. Wow. So it must be the oak barrels were particularly charred on the Zinfandel. And the name of the wine is Smoking Loon Old Vine Zinfandel. And I just kind of put together maybe the Smoking Loon has something to do with this like really toasty charred oak kind of uh, vibe to this wine. The most prominent notes in this wine are blackberry, charred oak, black cherry, and some espresso. 
I'd serve it with barbecue ribs or beef. You'd want to open this when you have some guests over, barbecue is going, they like full body reds and like some char on their food. So when you opened the wine, you didn't, it wasn't overwhelming. Not overwhelming, but definitely when, so when I, when I'm reviewing the wine and I pour a glass and I take that first big whiff of the wine. Mm. So like what, what hits you first? Uh Uh-huh. On this wine, the first thing that hit me was campfire. Really? And I've never had that before exactly. You you smell oak uh-huh. and okay, it's a woody, but this was really charred, toasty, smoky kind of oak. And it wasn't getting in the way of your enjoyment? No, it was good. Like I still put this at a, a four out of five. It, it was in the notes of charred oak, but also like the dark coffee, espresso, oh. oaky, charred notes kind of bottle. Okay. So it was it was good. Did you have any food with it? Do you remember? We had uh, barbecue ribs. Oh, well, that would be great. Good choice. It worked. Oh, nice. Yeah, definitely worked. All right. A surprise uh, smoky twist from Chuck out of California. Smoking Loon Old Vine Zinfandel, $15.85, four stars out of five. For the first episode in our Red Wine series, I thought we could talk about the King of Reds, Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, some people call a Rusque Merlot. I disagree and call BS on that. And Zinfidel. I think in the nine episodes of the show, we've probably mentioned Zinfidel four or five times already because I think we're both fans. It's popular, yeah. yeah. Let's start with Cabernet Sauvignon. Is that one of your favorite wines? Classic. One of the top three, I'd say. I called it the king of reds because it's the most planted and grown and consumed red grape in the world. Where are you finding it when you're looking for it? You know, America is a popular choice, but here in Canada, Ontario, you can find some pretty good Cabernets, very much more on the old world side. Like the Cabernets you'll find in Ontario, Canada are closer to European old world style Cabernets, not as juicy full-bodied and and rich and alcohol yeah driven as as uh the american ones agreed and I, but uh yeah that's a place to get them for yeah. sure yeah there's a good reason for that because if you look on a map in niagara which is part of ontario where most wine is grown is on the same latitude as france or, or the the wine growing region of france so a lot of wines grown in ontario do share characteristics of the french wines if you go to the website and under wine resources, you know, you've done a great job of defining a variety of grapes. When you put together the Cabernet Sauvignon example, you put a cool climate example and a warm climate example. And I think that's really important. Right. It makes a big difference to the grapes. So if it affects the grapes greatly, it's going to affect the final outcome of the wine greatly. Yeah. And you can definitely tell that when you go south, you know, California latitude compared to the Ontario, Niagara, French latitude. Yeah. And it and all that comes down to very simply is sugar. And in the warmer, sunnier regions, you're going to get more sugar developing in the grape. So it's going to give you a little bit more of the help with those fruit forward flavors it's going to be more sugar that you can ferment in the in the winemaking process so you can get a slightly more alcoholic wine whereas you have a cooler climate like ontario or france you will have a little more acid so it's not going to be as as soft if you will it is a fruit more fruit forward you know higher sugar wine so it's a really interesting way to kind of shop I think if you think about, is this a hot, sunny place or sort of a moderate climate place? Good idea, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in 
in your wheelhouse, Italy has, what do you think, like more hot than cool? Yeah, I would say more hot than cool. But it has some cooler spots, doesn't it? Definitely, like the northern parts around Tuscany, the Chianti region, right. they're not as hot as Sicily and Puglia right. in the south. South, That makes sense. And so you can kind of, like, here's a tip for our listeners is if you sort of, you decide you like Italy or you decide you like California, now that's an interesting one, or you decide you like France or Spain, like pick it, there's always, almost always going to be like a north and a south. And those two regions are going to have kind of really different, nah, they're going to have distinct wines, and you're probably going to like one over the other. So for our cabs, you're going to be looking for, out of the cool climate, like cassis. So that's that's currants, flavor, blackberries, and then a little bit of cedar tobaccos. And then in your warm climates, I noticed you use the word ripe and that ripe, ripe black currant because that's just the sugar is more developed and the fruit's going to be more developed. So that's a perfect description. Plum, eucalyptus. Usually I, I encounter some cherry or blueberry just depending on the particular wine. But yeah, the eucalyptus is kind of uh, more of an earth note as well, foresty kind of. Right. And when we're, we're talking about pure cab here, not a blend. So Chuck, if you were, what's the classic? Like if you were giving some advice of pairing just a, let's say a, a North American, I know that can vary between Ontario and California, but a North American cab, what would you be styling that with, serving it with? Usually a red meat dish, mm. typically barbecued, right? Yeah. It's, so you're doing, you're doing weight for weight. I'm matching it up. Yeah, for sure. And then... You know, I think most of the population enjoys pasta of some sort. Is that, are you going with an oil base, red sauce, cream sauce? Like, what would you do there? You know, I don't really drink cab with pasta. <laughs> so that's a good question. Yeah. See, I, I, that was a trick question to see if you'd break your Italian lineage there. Well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? I don't know. <laughs> I'm stumped. I uh, I'm not as religious about my Italian wine pairing, so I would uh, uh, definitely a meat sauce, something for me thicker and heavier. Okay, yeah, yeah, but not the oleo type pastas. I I wouldn't put that in there. So you're gonna put a fruit forward New World cab with a, a bolognese sauce and pasta? <laughs> What's going on here? Hey, I like it. Get on. <laughs> You do what you like. Me too. Yeah. Uh, I think in a previous episode, you did say, you know, if you're having Italian food, stick with Italian wine. That is really good advice. Uh, and the cabs, big, meaty flavors, barbecue, roast, for sure. It doesn't hurt with some some red, you know, red sauce. But I would actually, I think that's great advice from from Chuck. If you're really into Italian food, stray away from the big fat reds that sort of are typical of, of Cabernet Sauvignon. Try the Chiantis and, 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 and alike. You could maybe try a French Cabernet or an Ontario Niagara Cabernet. Yeah. With a Bolognese. I wouldn't, I would probably put that up against it more than a, a classic like California cab. That I wouldn't do. Too, too much fruit. To, right. You want to go cool climate, I guess, here. Too oh, fruit okay. forward, maybe a little too alcoholic. You want to stray to the north a little bit. Cooler climate, you can get less of that fruit, less alcohol. You know, and you know why? And I think you're saying this because the ragu is the star, not the wine. And the ragu is already acidic too. Yeah. So maybe the extra acid in the cooler climate 
Cabernets uh, would complement a little better. A, a, a match, a, a comparison. Yeah, okay. Okay, I like that. So let's talk for a second. We're going to do this with all the wines. Let's talk for a second about like going a little crazy in an unusual pairing. I have this uh, this habit is is an old habit. <laughs> so the thing with big tannic wines, the best if you're ever drinking a big tannic wine and you're and you sort of sip it on its own, I think a lot of people kind of say, "Oh, this is a bit big. It's a bit overwhelming. It's it's kind of it's a lot in the mouth." But if you serve that same wine with some food, which presumably has some salt in it, maybe some fat, the wine can change quite a bit. So my guilty pleasure... is a really nice Cabernet Sauvignon. Like go to my top picks page, like uh, the Solid Ground, um, the Bread and Butter. Uh, I think it was one of our picks. It's definitely our four out of five stars. And just get like a pepperoni pizza or whatever salty, cheesy, fatty pizza and a good Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh man, for me, heaven. How about for you? Oh, that's a good choice. Panzerato, something like Mm. that really good yeah greasy yeah i could also see going fancy grilled cheese Ooh. with a cabernet sauvignon like fancy like brie and pear not toast and craft singles oh not that that couldn't work either i guess so but it would the salt and the fat would work but i like where your head's at here so a little bit more delicate on the on the food and then playing that off the boldness of the wine i like that yeah that'd be super that's a, that's a great combo so we've got pizza with Greasy, salty pepperoni, or a delicate pear and brie grilled cheese. Uh, I think that sounds that sounds amazing. Let's, nice choices. Let's move on to Malbec. I think it's a highly underappreciated grape that we don't talk about nearly enough. Malbec is grown in France and Argentina. Some's grown in the USA. It is a Bordeaux grape. It's a little softer. It has a lower acidity. This comes with blackberry flavors, some herbs. It can get a little floral. There's a really famous wine author and writer, and I think she's a sommelier. I assume so. Um, She calls it a rustic Merlot. I can't get on board with that comparison personally. Um, I think it's a little more sophisticated. I think it's a little more interesting, but I do like a good Malbec. Chuck, your thoughts on Malbec? I think it's a good alternative. You could almost say a Malbec is a cross between which two varietals if you've never had one before. What'd you, what would you say? I would say it's somewhere between a Cab and a Merlot. And I know what I just said, but it's, it's somewhere in the middle for me. Mm-hmm. I often find Malbec's a little oaky, like woody, kind of woody, um, not rough around the edges, rough around the edges, but in a kind of a good way. Yeah. Not as like smooth as a Merlot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got some bite to it. A Merlot with some bite. Yeah. It's not as fruity as a Cabernet, but it's got some angles to it and it's not as soft as a Merlot. So I think that's a great right. description. Food wise, I think we're still in the kind of the grilled meat department, probably a bigger variety of pastas. I know, I know it's not Italian. <laughs> Not as fruity though, so yeah, you could say, you could say that for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty versatile. Um, I've served still it- in your full body red kind yeah. of category, like so. Yeah, it's close to cab. It's food wise. It straddles the medium full body. Kind of goes in between. Depends who's making it, yeah. where it's made, what year it was made. You know all that, all that nonsense. I tend to like mine out of Argentina. Uh, I can't say I've ever had a pure Malbec from France. I don't think so. I've ever seen one. It probably exists, but I can't think of it. 
I've seen some from Chile. Yeah, South America, they it does well yeah. there. Um, it's it's somewhat new to the USA. Uh, they they mostly mix it in with other other things. Grilled meat, pastas, yeah, sure. But if I was gonna go, what's different? What's, what would you eat that's different with it? <sighs> so this one I have recommended a number of times to people who are. This is very specific to Chinese takeout, and I've recommended it for Chinese takeout. So so red wine's tough to pair with. Chinese takeout specifically, it can be tough to pair with Asian different dishes. And I know Chinese and Asian is a, is a wide variety. Like, <laughs> just acknowledge yeah. that. Um, but what a lot of times they have in common is spice. And when those very either spices in the sense of heat or spices in the sense of flavorful and florality come through, reds just fall down against them. Like it's just, it's hard. Those tannins and the reds um, against the spices just make the spicy food seem more spicy. Yeah. And the wine drier and yeah, hotter. Like terribly dry. Yeah. Yeah, you're 100% right. I don't like it at all. Um, but Malbec seems to just be the Goldilocks, you know, kind of just right. I like it. Never tried that with Chinese. I will because I do get Chinese takeout. My typical suggestion for Chinese takeout is going to be like a Gewurztraminer yeah. or a slightly off dry Riesling. Yes. So that's a big change. That's that's huge. That's a huge so, difference. Yeah, so I'll try it out. But what Chuck just said is is money because if if you do want to pair some some wine, those that girts and that riesling with uh, Chinese Thai again, those flavor profiles so 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 good. I would say if I had to pick an unusual pairing for Malbec, you can go sausage and peppers with some provolone on an Italian panino. That'd be oh, all right. That sounds good to me. And and you've got the pepper, so you got a little bit of earthy sweet. You get the sausage. You're gonna have the herb and the and the spice and the and the fat. And then a nice sort of what what provo uh, mild cheese. That's a mild cheese. It, it's pretty flavorful, like aromatic Italian cheese. Yeah. But you melt it on there, so good. Oh, I like that. I that's that's my lunch this weekend. I'm gonna be doing that. <laughs> that's a good one. Like yeah, that. put onions too, sautéed onions. So let's sort of go, we're going to swing in another direction to one of the wines that we lo both love talking about, uh, Zinfandel. Zin got a bad rap for some years in the late 80s, uh, early 90s. It was overproduced. It was just made into crappy, sugary, nasty wine. California is very guilty of this. Uh, Do we call those white Zinfandels, those really sweet sugar ones, or is that something else totally? Well, there's white Zin and there's red Zin. So there, yes, there's there's both. Um, the white Zin is not taken very seriously because it's just turned into that sugary stuff you mentioned. It's, it's like half punch it's bad yeah sorry it's, <laughs> it's not that isn't bad to drink it's bad it's in, like wine cooler yeah it's super sweet can border on artificial bubblegum sweet weirdness think welch's white grape juice like yeah it's it's rough i'm talking about red zinfandel um it's typically really high in sugar which means when it's made into wine the alcohol gets pretty high so yeah you know your average bottle of wine's kind of 12 13 maybe coming up on 14 percent. this stuff's like 15 15 and a half full body yeah this is a big not only is it big flavor it's a big buzz <laughs> that you're gonna get from it uh um, it's a sipper it's a sipper i i think it's a food wine to like 
It sips well, but on an empty stomach, it's just, it's a lot of booze. Yeah, it's a nice dinner wine and then a glass after dinner. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, I like I like what you're saying there because it's not my aperitif wine, like my pre-game wine. Too big. Too big, yeah. I actually like the Italians, some of those, the milder Italians for my pre-game wines. So Zin, uh, we love Zin, love it for many, many reasons. Um, you're going to be thinking about raspberry, cherry, spices. You could get some some blueberries, some very, very, very ripe fruit. Like just think about that early to mid fall, perfect, just picked, you know, some kind of fruit, berry, full of juice, full of flavor, super lush. Um, I have had them where they're a little bit artificial tasting. I don't know what what happened to them. Um, but if you're going to go for Zinfandel, I would go California personally. And now I'm going to get really specific for us for a second. There's a region in California called Lodi. They're kind of really well known for Zinfandel. But if you can get your hands on it, there's another region in Napa called Paso Roble, P-A-S-O-R-O-B-L-E-S, Paso Roble. If you can find a Zin out of there, happy, happy times. Like, oh, so good. So, so, so good. Now, we've talked about, again, we're going to pivot to what I know best, what Chuck knows best. Chuck, in Italy, Zinfandel goes by another name. We call it Primitivo, and but genetically, the same grape. The same grape. And then stylistically, if you put up a California against an Italian, what would you be expecting? So on the Italian side, you're not going to get as strong of a of a wine, alcohol-wise. Mm-hmm. Probably not as full of a body either. And a little more on the earthy side than really fruit-forward, oaky, American zin. Right. But we're in the ballpark for sure. And for me, when I think about Italian wine, I like the Primitivo because it's it's not like any of the others, is it? Not quite. It's it's just it stands alone, and it, it I really enjoy it. When it comes to Italy and Primitivo, though, they can be very different. You had the Lucarelli Primitivo, big hit, but you recently, and I'm not sure if the review's up yet, so it should be coming soon. Tell us about the Fantini Primitivo you tried. Right. So both Italian Primitivos, the Lucarelli, big hit. It's on my top picks page. The Fantini Primitivo, not so great. I didn't like it too much. It ranked a two out of five. Wow. And and so Fantini's one of your house producers. Not a, That's not a wine. That's a winery. Yeah. The winery Fantini makes a Sangiovese. That is my house red. I always have right. it. It's like $9.05 a yeah. Everybody it's, loves it. Everyone loves everybody it. Everybody loves it. Yeah. That's a great example that, you know, no two wines are created equal. So you got to, you got to check our, check our favorites and, <laughs> and try everything. Yeah. We will be updating those favorite pages from time to time as well. As for sort of the unusual pairings with Zin, Mine is really specific, and I've had this. I was in oh, I was in Calgary at the Stampede, and I was treated to this nice uh, dinner at a restaurant, and they came for dessert, and they made crepes by the table, and they made strawberry crepes. And part of the preparation was they used black pepper uh, in making the crepes with the strawberries, and it was amazing. And I happened to be drinking a Zinfandel at the time, and... Heaven, I mean, pepper, strawberry, zint. Wow, it was just—I could see how that works for sure. Crazy, so good. How about you? Like, go, if you would go a little bit out there, an unusual pairing for me for Zinfandel would be your classic barbecue hot dog. Oh, I like that. 
just works. Simple. Simple, flavorful. Salty. And now, what is your hot dog condiment choices? Because this could be controversial. What do, what do you like on your hot dog? I just go, you know, the works. What's that? No sauerkraut, though. No, 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 no. That's, 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 that's a, no, that's a whole other country. <laughs> <laughs> like mustard? I'll go ketchup, mustard, relish, the classics, I would okay, say. But there's, there's a lot to unpack here. So, so in the mustard. Yeah. Classic yellow, Dijon. Yeah, classic okay. yellow, no. All right, good. Good. That's the correct answer. And then, right. <laughs> and then relish. What's our relish situation? Just your classic green, sweet? Yep. Dill style. Okay. Like relish. All right. I'll put some like sliced dill pickle on it too if I have I, that. I, I'll just put some relish. I can too. get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. And then ketchup. I like the Heinz classic ketchup. I've I've mixed around, you know, yeah. tried other ketchups. You were young. You made mistakes. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you can't change. Ketchup, relish, mustard, maybe a little pickle, glasses, Infidel, beautiful. Can't argue with that. Beautiful. Yeah. So this week I'm featuring a Malbec from Argentina. It's called Verum. It's a 2019. And I got a surprise from this one. So I have some expectations for Malbec. I, I usually get them from Argentina, like this one is from. I'm expecting a little bit of more fruit forward, kind of a new world thing going on. This was not that. And I was happy about it. This was old world. It was delicious. Uh, it was full bodied, so more than the full body. A little bit austere. The fruit was there, but the alcohol and the tannins were were more pronounced and grippy. But it was really well It was really well balanced. I, I really enjoyed the wine. Uh, it was nice on its own, but I paired it with some food. I had some uh, chicken meatballs and some mashed potatoes, like, uh, you know, Swedish meatball and, and mashed potato situation. Uh, the creaminess from um, the sauce and the salt from potatoes were, were just amazing. They just just really set up the tannins. It had a clean finish. Again, it was, it was balanced. And there was a little bit of violet floral note to it. Um, so despite having a bit of grippier tannins, again, I'm a new world guy presented in old world style. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, $16.95. So, you know, it's on the higher end of of our uh, $20 spectrum, uh, but it was a great wine and uh, me and my uh, dinner partner uh, really enjoyed it. So Verum Malbec from Argentina, 2019, $16.95, four to five stars. You bang that out first shot. <laughs> wow. Time is money. <laughs> this recording studio costs money. <laughs> it's a thousand dollars an hour. Our label's gonna be real pissed. <laughs> we're both we're both confused. Okay. We're both crossing <laughs> streams here. I, I tried the Fantini Primitivo. That wasn't good. Okay. But the Lucarelli Primitivo I think is on my top. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's try this again. All right. Hold on. Let me let me just No, you're right. Because my dad was all excited. He he talked to me this week. He's like, Oh, I got a Fantini Primitivo. and I was like, Oh. Oh, that review didn't come no, out yet. Not yet. Didn't it? <laughs> okay, that's true. We gotta we gotta come up with another podcast. Like just shh, do deep thoughts or something. Really fun. <laughs> you know what really sides. You know really grinds my gears. <laughs> Let's take it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Wine Podcast for everyone. Be sure to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts as it helps other people find us. Yeah, tell your friends about the podcast. We know they drink wine too. <laughs>
For more information on any of the wines we discuss, go to nosnobwine.com or check the show notes for links. The Wine Podcast for Everyone is a production of No Snob Media. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.